Psalms chapter 2. If you happen to be here, say amen. amen. Looking for the Lord Jesus to come, say amen. 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 I believe He's coming. Amen. amen. And I believe, as Brother Jeff Summerall said Wednesday night, I believe it is right around the corner. I believe He's coming. Amen. Let's look in Psalms chapter 2. Begin to read with me in verse 1. And the Bible says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. And thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. And blessed are all they that put their trust in the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, from the depths of our heart, we want to tell you that. And just to say thank you for saving us. Thank you for keeping us and your blessings. And Lord, we understand it'll be okay. It'll be all right, but we're going to keep trusting you. And Lord, we ask this morning, if there's one here lost that does not know you, I pray you might save them. Uh, maybe they have never trusted you, and I pray this morning they would. I pray you would help the one that may be struggling. The one that may need direction or may need encouragement, I pray it be found in you. I pray you'd help us while we might preach for just a little while. I pray you'd touch and anoint us afresh. We're looking for some help from heaven. And uh, Lord, these folk didn't come to hear from me. They come to hear from you. And I pray you'd touch this morning. I pray that you'd hinder Satan from this meeting. And I pray you'd do something, Lord, do a work that I cannot do. And Lord, that folk would leave out of here better than what they come in. Well, Tegan, we love you. Save that sinner's nearest tale for all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, as we look in this chapter, I believe we can make our application to today, but really to the uh, end time, which is really uh, both times. I believe we really are living uh, at the end. Uh, when we look at this, we find a statement in here that I found uh, very interesting. It said that he that sitteth in the heavens uh, uh, shall laugh. And we understand and know that that is uh, God himself. As he sits in the heaven, what's he going to laugh at? Uh, he's going to laugh at the heathen uh, and he's going to laugh and that at the kings and the rulers uh, uh, of this earth. Uh, Job chapter 9, we've been studying the book of Job on Wednesday night. and The Bible tells us uh, Job did at one point, he, he said that God laughs at the trials of the innocent. Uh, I don't, Job had such a, a skewed view sometimes of some things that uh, he said God had done. But I, I understand uh, to a point Job's, uh, uh, how can I say this, his mindset 
uh, that he said, God's laughing at what I'm going through because God had not showed up. Uh, we seen that in Sunday school this morning about Jeremiah, the book of Lamentations. As they were going through all their, uh, all their, their correction and through all their struggles of, of being overtaken by the enemy, uh, uh, Jeremiah, and I, I mean, if you look, Jeremiah had some good years of prophesying, but then he had bad years, and, and he said, God has left me right here, and he's nowhere around. And I think sometimes we feel that way. But we find right here, as he talks about that God is, is laughing, He's not laughing at His people. And God don't laugh at us. I mean, He may laugh at some things we do sometimes. Uh, he, I mean, surely God's got a sense of humor. Uh, I mean, go look in the mirror. You better have a sense of humor. Amen. I think God does have a sense of humor, but not, He's not going to laugh at us uh, uh, the same way that He's going to laugh at the heathen. Uh, you go on and you look in the book of Psalms chapter 37. Uh, the Bible said that the Lord will laugh at the wicked when they plot uh, against the just in their day of, uh, of destruction. Uh, Psalms chapter 59 talks about how that God will laugh at the heathen and have them in derision just as He talks here in Psalms chapter 2. Now take your Bible with me quickly this morning. Go to the book of Proverbs uh, chapter 1. I'll get started here in a minute. But go to Proverbs chapter 1. As God is beckoning uh, for them to get right in this chapter right here in Proverbs 1. And look, Proverbs is full of wisdom and understanding and direction. But in Proverbs chapter 1, we come back and he's talking about wisdom and how that God has called. And, and in verse 23, he said, Turn you uh, at my reproof. Behold, I, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you uh, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have set at naught all my counsel and would not of my reproof. Then look in verse 26. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as a desol- as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Then shall they seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose uh, uh, the fear of the Lord. He said, I've called, I've instructed, I've begged and I've pleaded, uh, uh, and nobody listened. Uh, uh, He said, when that time comes, uh, when their fear comes, when their calamity comes, uh, and it's all crashing down on top of them, uh, and he says, then they look up to heaven, uh, he said, that's when I'm going to laugh. And I believe right here, that's the time that we find right here in this chapter, uh, uh, in chapter 2. There's, uh, there's literally uh, uh, coming a day uh, uh, when the rulers and the kings of this world uh, uh, are, are literally going to want nothing uh, uh, to do with God. Uh, can I say today, that's where we are. I mean, I mean, the heathen are raging. Number one this morning, we see, I believe it's in verses one through three. This may be a little different preaching, but in verses one through three, you find the rebellion of the heathen. Look at it right here. What's he say right here? He said the heathen do what? He said they, they, they rage and the people imagine a vain thing. He's not talking about saved people. Now, I, I think there is some heathen uh, uh, and some vain people sitting in church this morning. Right. Just because you're sitting in church don't make you saved. Right. Amen. You have got to have a personal relationship come to a place uh, uh, that you realize you were lost uh, uh, and you trusted Christ uh, 
to save you. Amen. In a moment of faith and in a time of faith uh, uh, that you come to Him, uh, I, I'm glad to report to you uh, uh, by the Word of God and the authority of it, He will save you. Amen. Amen. I love that. I, I love that. In fact, that's how I know I'm saved. Why? Not only does He live on the inside, but He said so. Amen. Amen. He said, for whosoever shall go upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But notice the heathen are raging uh, uh, and the people imagine a vain thing. They're wanting uh, uh, and that to get away from God. You know that vain, that word vain means worthless. He said their thoughts uh, are worthless this morning. What we see this morning in the uh, book of Isaiah, uh, I believe that Brother Jeff uh, took us over there to the book of Isaiah in chapter 55 uh, in Sunday school and, and he talked about uh, the thoughts of the wicked. Uh, he talked about the thoughts of man. He said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. you know that, 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 that God is not in man's thoughts today? What was it the Bible said? I believe it was uh, uh, in, the book of, uh, uh, in the book of Romans chapter uh, 1 over there. As they did not like to retain God uh, uh, in their knowledge. God gave them over uh, uh, to a reprobate mind to do those things uh, which are not convenient. They don't want to think about God. Why do the heathen rage uh, and imagine a vain thing? Uh, uh, listen, it's easy for me to stand up here and point my, point my finger at the world uh, uh, and say they're the problem. I mean, it's easy to do that. And by the way, they're doing what comes naturally to them. They're sinners. Do you realize that sinners do what sinners do? What is that? They sin. We want to try to clean the world up and get them morally fixed and morally right. And I would to God, wish to God, that folk did have morals. Amen. Life was a whole lot better when folk had morals, wasn't it? But he said right here, and by the way, they are the problem. They are part of the problem. But you know how we got to this problem? Because people sitting in our shoes, we never took our stand where we should have. Amen. I mean, we never try. I mean, what was it that Paul said in the book of Ephesians, uh, uh, chapter 6 of there? Uh, he said, having done all to stand. Uh, and then he said, stand therefore and told us how to do those things. But he said, the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. And so they're trying their best to get away from God. Notice what he said in verse 2 uh, as he talked about the rulers as they take counsel. And notice what they're doing. They're taking it against the Lord, the kings of the earth. They're taking it against the Lord and He is anointed. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way. He's the anointed one. Uh, and so here's what they say. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords uh, from us. Those bands and those cords uh, uh, is what had restraint. The world wants no restraint today. Do whatever you want to do. I know that I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. I know that. But we're living in that time. We're actually living in that time today. You know, if you go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, when he talks about over there, uh, what is it that, that he says, This now also in the last days, our powerless time shall come for me, shall be lovers of self, most of And he goes through all that, and he comes to a little word over there, uh, and that word incontinent. Uh, and, he, and he talks about that word incontinent. That, that is going to be one of the things uh, uh, that, that is going to be taking place. And that word means that, that they're, they're not able or will not restrain uh, their passions or their appetite. They're unable to. 
You know why people are unable to restrain their passions and their appetite? Uh, because they, they have no correction or they have no help in their life. He says right here, they want to cast off the pans uh, uh, and the cords from them. And that is what causes restraint uh, in our lives. You know why you don't do what you want to do in your flesh sometimes? One, it's going to displease God. Two, the Bible told you not to do it. And three, you know if you do, you're going to get in trouble. Amen. And hopefully it ain't in the reverse. What do you mean in the reverse? Well, I don't want to start out thinking if I go do this, I'm going to be in trouble. I want, I want to think, man, if I do this, God said don't to do it and I don't want to do it. And then not even worry about the trouble. I want to be more concerned about pleasing Him and what His book says. But He says they want to cast off His cord. And do you realize that? You know why people are dropping Baptist from their name? You do realize that churches are dropping Baptist. We, we, have, become, we have become known uh, as, as, as the denomination of no. No drinking, no smoking, no gambling, no dancing, and no fun. That's what they say. I'm all for it. Amen. Amen. I'm all for it. I mean, I, I, I'm all for being that. I, I listen, why? Because uh, that's what pleases the Lord. I, listen, they, they, want, they want a time of no Bible, no judgment, no God, no final authority. Uh, they don't want any of those things. And that's what the world's getting today. I, 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 don't, I, I think living for God ought to be real to you. It ought to be real. It's not a joke. It's not a life that we live on Sunday and on Wednesday. It's, it's, it's not something that, that we get hyped up to come in here on, on Saturday. Because see, I'm going to be honest with you. Living in here, living in here, man, we're only here for at the best on Sunday morning, two and a half hours, an hour and a half on Sunday night, and maybe an hour and five, hour and ten minutes on Wednesday night. Your life for Christ is out there. It's not in here. We come in here to worship. We come in here to learn. We literally come in here to rest. Amen. Amen. Come in. Don't, don't it feel good to come in here? Yes. I think it was Sister Jennifer said one time, you ought to just get a key to the church sometime and just come in here through the week and just sit down. It's a good place, ain't it, sister? Amen. It's just good. I love to come in here when there's nobody else in here and I'll crawl up around this side of the altar right here and I'll just begin to talk to God. It feels pretty good to come in here and just talk to Him. Amen. I like this place. But we've come to a point that the rulers, they, they want nothing to do with God. And so they rebel and they say no to Him. They cast off bands and cast away His cords. Let me say to us this morning, there is a reason we have the Word of God. It is to instruct us and to teach us. You need it and I do too this morning. But then look at number two, the reaction of the Lord. I may get this preached this morning, you never know. He Notice what he says. He that saith in the head, boy, if I to get it all preached this morning, I don't know what I'm going to preach tonight. Man. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. And, and that word derision means that He's laughing at them uh, uh, with contempt. And so He said, Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath, and vex them in His sore displeasure. Now notice who we're talking about right here. He that sitteth in the heavens. We're not talking about puny man. 
We're not, we're not talking about man that rules here on this earth. We're talking about the God of heaven. Notice where he said, He that sitteth in heaven. God's throne is in heaven. I mean, that's how high He is. That's how big He is. And so the Bible says, Hey, this one that sits in heaven, uh, He's going to laugh at them. Well, that goes in direct opposition of what the world thinks about God today, don't it? I'm glad God is loving. Little John tells us, for God is love. I'm glad Ephesians tells us that we have uh, experienced to know the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. But do you realize there is literally a day when all that runs out? I mean, John chapter 3, what he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'd rather have the life of God than to have the wrath of God. But he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. By the way, I'm preaching on when God has the last laugh. You know God's going to have the last laugh. He's got control of things. And notice right here, it says he that sitteth in the heavens, when he's talking about his son and, and giving him the kingship down here in verse 8, I, notice what he said, and I shall give thee the heathen I, for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. We think we own the earth. We really do. We think that the earth is ours. It ain't ours. We can't give it away. But God can I believe we ought to take care of the earth. I do. I really believe we should take care of the earth. Uh, But do you realize this thing's growing old? Go over and read the book of Isaiah. And you know what he tells us in the book of Isaiah about this earth? He says it's going to wax old like a garment. You know what that means? It's going to wear out. People are so concerned about living here uh, and staying here and their roots are here. uh, They're more concerned about here than they are there. I'm ready to go there. There will not wear out. Amen. Thank God for heaven. You really, can, can I park here for just a second and say this? You realize this place is temporal, don't you? I mean, this place is temporal. I, I, I mean, everything we've got down here is going to burn up. It's all going to go away. And, and, and all that matters. You remember what Peter told us over there? Uh, he said, seeing that all these things uh, shall be dissolved. He said, see what manner of persons you ought to be in all holiness and godliness. In other words, how we've lived for Christ is what's going to last. What's going to be at the judgment seat is what's going to matter. But notice God's reaction. He laughs at them. They, they want to break away from Him. That, uh, I, I believe they thumb their nose and their lapel at God uh, and they want nothing to do with Him. They shake their fist at Him uh, uh, and say, I'm going to have nothing to do with you. And God just laughs at them. Why? He's got control of things. Here puny man is saying, we want nothing to do with God. But yet, who are we to say that? Who are we to, uh, to, to look up to God? I, I'm just talking about as mankind. Who are we to look up to God and say, we want nothing to do with you? Matter of fact, I don't even believe in you. Well, that's what man says. Foolish said in his heart that there is no God. The way our leaders live and the way that our leaders rule, they're ruling like there is no God. 
There's ruling like, 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 like there is. And listen, it's not only them, but let me say how our leaders got there. Not only did God put them there, but God will give a nation what they want. You realize that? God will give a nation and give a world what they want. And I believe that's where we're at. I believe God has given us uh, as a nation exactly what people wanted. Away from God. And when you get away from God, look around. That's what you get. So here sits God in the heavens. And He's laughing at man. Come and look with me in Psalms chapter 59. I quoted this, just part of this verse a few minutes ago. But in Psalms chapter 59, He he talks about God laughing and having them in derision. I believe it is. Psalms chapter 59 uh, in verse 5. And the Bible said, Thou therefore, O Lord... God of hosts, the God of Israel, wait to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. See, Lord. Boy, I'm telling you, when David, when David got to praying against the wicked, man, he got to praying, didn't he? I mean, I mean, man, when they were against him, he was against them and he was calling on God. He said they return at evening. They make a noise like a dog and go round about the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouth, swords are in their lips. For who, say they, doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. David said, you'll laugh at them. Just laugh at them. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just laughed at a situation? I, I, I think I, there, there's been times I've, I've, I've laughed at situations in people's lives because it was funny. We, we've, we've all seen funny situations in folks' lives. Amen. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I'm going to be very careful right here because I, I don't want to fall. But you ever watch somebody fall? It's almost funny, ain't it? And as long as they're not hurt, it's almost funny. I know what day I hit, I know what day I come down here and hit that right there, and after I told you what she's done, you laughed at me. You just thought it was funny. I mean, I was still walking, but I was hurting. By the way, that knee ain't been right since. Amen. But, but you know what? God's not going to laugh at them because it's funny. God's going to laugh at them out of contempt for them, and because they have said no to Him. He's just going to laugh at them. Say, I begged and pleaded with you. God has gave our country. You know what's made us so great as a nation? I mean, the way you said we have all these things and we've prospered and that's what's made us great. No, we prospered because God made us great. But what made us great? What made us great is because we carried the light. What made Israel great? What made Israel great? Israel, Israel was God's chosen people. If there was ever election, it was in Israel. I mean, He chose Abraham. And from Abraham sprung a nation greater than the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea. God made Israel. But I'll tell you, God made us as a nation. And we sent out more missionaries and preached more light and gave more scripture than any other nation before. And we went out, you know, with Israel, I heard a preacher preaching on it the other day. With Israel, it was, it was come and see, it was come and see. You know, God put his house in Jerusalem and God always had the tabernacle and, and all those things. It will always come and see, but with us, it's going tell. And we've went and told over the centuries since he made us a nation, we've went and told. But now we, we don't go and tell no more. I used to think that it was a, an odd thing to hear 
uh, to hear uh, preachers say, you know, there's going to come a time when missionaries are going to be sent to us, but that's where we're about at today. But God's going to laugh. But in His laughing, notice what He does. Notice what He does. As He has them in derision, as He laughs at them with contempt, then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. God's going to begin to pour out His wrath on them. Now, I'm glad at the end of all this thing, I know what the book says. I know during the tribulation we're gone. I understand that. That's what we, that's what we believe here, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I do believe in, in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Why is that? Well, take your Bible and go to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I, I, I want you to read this. You can underline it in your Bible. Uh, Romans 5. And verse 8. The Bible said, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, ain't you glad Christ died for you when you was a sinner? You didn't have to get cleaned up first to get saved. Boy, I'm thankful for that. You know, we have a problem with that as Baptists and as preachers. I'll just say, I'll just throw us to the wolves this morning. We have a problem. We want to clean people up before we ever get them saved. But notice what he said in the next verse. He said, much more than being now justified by his blood. First song we sung in worship this morning uh, was, was when I see the blood. So we're justified by the blood of Christ. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We will not experience the wrath of God. We cannot experience the wrath. We have been safe from that. I, and, I, and I understand you can make your application to hell, far and damnation. I understand that. Thank God for that. Amen. I'm not going to hell. I got saved from that place. But I'm also not going to go through his tribulation either for what he's going to pour out upon this earth. So what is he going to do? Now I don't know. I don't know how long. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen prior to getting out of here. But I know he's going to pour it out and he's going to speak to the heathen. And he says, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. So God's going to pour it out. You can see at the end time, go over there in the book of the Revelation chapter 6, you get the synopsis of everything that's going to happen at the end time. And the Bible says the great and the small, the bond and the free and all the kings and all of them, they're going to cry out and say, Save us from him that sat the, from the wrath of him that sat upon the throne and of the Lamb. He's going to pour it out. Notice here, even though they, they, they speak against God, even though they are against God, notice that, that even though they rebelled uh, uh, against God, and then we see the reaction uh, uh, of God, but then notice right here in verse 6, the coronation of the king. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Who's the king? We say, well, David was king. David was king. But who's he talking about right here? He, he's, not, uh, he's, he's not talking uh, about David. You go on to the next verse. He said, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That only makes application to one person, one person only, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13, when he's standing in the synagogue preaching, he comes to that verse and he makes application there. And you know what he said when he talks about the resurrection from the dead? I believe it is in Acts 13. He said, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children in that he hath raised up Jesus again as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. God was the one that brought him up from the dead. He said, he said over there, uh, this, what, what was it, in John chapter 10, uh, I have power to lay it down on myself. I have power to, uh, to, to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The writer in the book of Hebrews, he talks about Jesus being the high priest. And he said, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Not only was he begotten, not only did Christ uh, was begotten in that by the resurrection from the dead, but he said God was the one that made him the priest. As it saith also in another place, he said in the next verse, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By the way, that was without beginning, without end, without mother, and without father. You go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and you can read it again over and over and over again that he was proved how to be the Son of God begotten by him, not only by his power, but by simply heaven itself. He said so. So Christ is... You say, well, Christ is king now. No, he's on the right hand of the Father. He's not king. He's not on the throne right now. Now he ought to be on the throne of your heart. I get that. I, I understand that. Colossians said, If you then be risen with Christ, see those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He's not on the throne. But do you realize there's literally coming a day when he's going to have a throne? You remember what, you remember what Gabriel said to Mary? You remember what he said to her over there? Talking about her having the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 1 he said, He shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest. And Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign uh, over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's got a literal throne uh, that he's going to take one day. The council uh, of the ungodly rulers, they're going to want to cast their bands off. But God said, I'm going to life at them. And I'm going to give them a king. He's the one. Go there and read the book of Daniel sometimes. And they come and they present the Lord and that to the Ancient of Days. And you know what he does? He gives him a kingdom that is forever and ever. Uh, uh, There's going to be a coronation one day uh, and you go on and you read and you find that God has done this uh, uh, and He's going to rule over it all. Because he said, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He's going to rule it all. What Satan is wanting now is world domination. He's going to strive for that. And that's what the Antichrist is going to work toward. He's to have world domination. That's what Hitler himself wanted. And all the other kings of the earth has always wanted was world domination. But Christ is going to have it. Amen. He's going to have it. He's going to sit on David's throne uh, over in Jerusalem over there uh, and he's going to rule from over there this whole world. That's hard to grasp, ain't it? 
We're used to called a, we're used to something that's called a republican with a democracy tied to it, but we're going to have a monarchy one day. We're not used to those things. He will not have a Congress. He will not have senators. I, I, he'll have none of those things. What he says will go. You come over here and you look and notice. I, I love that it says, and I shall give thee the heathen. God just says, I'm going to give them to you. They're mine to give. And so God's going to do it. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Why? There, when he comes back in the book of the Revelation 19, take your Bible and go over there. I, I'm talking about him becoming a literal king right now. You realize that's going to happen. I think some people struggle with that thing. I think they, they, they really struggle uh, uh, with, with Christ Jesus being a literal king. But there's so much scripture in the Bible that tells us those things. Amen. I mean, God promised to give David uh, give David a seed that was going to sit on that throne. Uh, a root to come out of the branch of Jesse over there. Verse 11 in Revelation 19, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat up on him was called faithful and true. Reckon who that is. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Can I ask you something this morning? Are you saved? Because if you're not, this ought to bother you because you're going to have to deal with this. See, you could trust him now. You, you know, the Bible talks about falling on that rock and you shall be broken, but if he falls on you, he'll grind you to pieces. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was, uh, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in, in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Amen. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it that he should smite the nations. And he shall what? Rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Why is he going to have to rule with a rod of iron? Man, they don't want him. I don't understand how all this is going to work out at the end, but I do know this. There's still going to be people here, and when he comes back, he's going to be set up as king, and he's going to have to rule with a rod of iron. And they will submit to him. That's going to happen. I believe through the tribulation period, they're really, uh, they're really going to thumb their nose at God. You know, you go over, is it in Revelation? Let's back up just a little bit. Revelation 16. And, and, he, and he's pouring out his wrath with, with the vials over here, the, uh, the, the vile judgment. And let, 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 me, let, let me come down. Uh, I believe this is where we, we need to be. Here it is. In the middle of this thing, look, look with me for a sake of time. Look, look in verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. What a horrible time. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the uh, seed of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. The only one that could have helped them would have been God. And the Bible said right here that they would not repent but they blasphemed the name of God. 
I mean, you, you, you think it's bad now. I mean, there, there's, here, here's the thing. There's people think that they're going to save the earth from all this trouble that's coming. No, it's going to burn up. And you just need to be ready. But he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Like I tell you, I don't understand all this at the end. I really don't how all that's going to shake out. But I do know that he's going to rule. And notice he said in verse 9 of the text, he said, Thou shalt dice him in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's how much power and control he's going to have. Just like a potter would crush a piece of pottery. That's how it's going to go. You know, the Bible said that he's going to slay them with the sword that's in his mouth. He speaks it and it'll happen. So we see the coronation of the king. There's no song we sing over the years. Sometimes I'll be there to help crown him king. Boy, if you saved, you will be. Well, then look at the last verses. I guess I'm going to get it done. Look at the instruction that's given. Verse 10. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest ye be angry and ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. So He gives them instruction in how to avoid this. They imagine a vain thing. They're raging in the rulers of the earth. They want to cast off the bands from them. But notice what he said. He said, first of all, you need to take instruction. And then he said this, serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Well, that's the one thing we like today, ain't it? You go over and you read Romans 3. It talks about how that there is no fear of God before their eyes. None. Proverbs, is it 9 and Proverbs chapter 15? Both tell us that, that, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And another point he told us is the beginning of knowledge. But you go to Proverbs 15, he said, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, I, I, and before honor is humility. He, he says, When you come, he said, Serve with fear and rejoice with trembling. Uh, uh, he said, When you come before him, uh, come before him knowing who he is uh, and what he's capable of doing. I think the world needs to get a hold of that. I'll be honest with you, I think some Christians need to get a hold of that. I think some safe folks really need to get a hold of who God really is. I do believe in reverential fear. I do, I believe that. But I think some people need to be afraid of Him. Amen. I think you need to be afraid of Him sometimes. Yeah, I use this example and y'all have heard me say this. Uh, you know, there, there was a time in my life that, that I'd done what my daddy told me to because I was afraid of Him. If I didn't do it, then I was going to be in trouble. But then there came a point in life that I'm necessarily not afraid of Him. I do it simply because He's my Father. Because He asked me to. And that's it. I do it because I love Him. Not because I'm afraid of Him. And I think that's where Christians are supposed to be at. We're supposed to do it not because we're afraid of God, but because we love Him. I think, that's, I think that's where we're supposed to be. But he said this, we're to serve, we're to serve. That means to be obedient and submissive, to be yielding, uh, uh, to have humility about us. If you're going to serve, you're going to have to have humility. And then he said this, kiss the son. Let's see, be angry. You know, get right with Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Kiss the son, come to him. Welcome him, make things right with him. He said, lest he be angry. You know, the Bible said that God is angry with the wicked every day. 
And he said, if you don't do that, if he's angry, and he said, and you shall perish from the way, even when his wrath is kindled but a little. If he just gets a little angry, he'll kill you. Then you come down to the very last part right here, and he said, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You know how to escape all this? You trust him. You trust him through salvation. You trust him to save your soul. You know how to have happiness during this time right here? You trust Him. He's your help. Brother Mitchell and Sister Carrie, they sung about that. Bro, I mean, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy path. That's how it works. So the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. And they think they're going to get away from God. They think we're crazy today. But God is going to have the last life one day. Where are you going to be at during all that? Where do you stand in that today? If Jesus come today, if, if, if He come to get to church today, where do you stand with Him? Are you leaving? If you died right now, because some families have, has faced uh, death this past week, I, I had a gentleman tell me that day. He uh, he was telling his son. He he said he told me he said son. He said that's why I've been trying to tell you. You need to make sure that you're ready to go because life is fleeting. You need to be ready. If Jesus come today for the church, would you be ready? Would you be ready to meet him? Let's bow our heads this morning.